faithwire.com. A pastor hunted down by police helicopter and thrown into jail for violating COVID rules for having an outdoor church service. He spent 18 days in jail. Now he's speaking out. We're going to look at that story and how God used the situation is just awesome. Today is Tuesday, July 20th. I'm Dana Andros, and we'll have this story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. We've got four big stories of the day, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. And joining me today is Trey Gons Phillips uh, from Faithwire.com. Trey, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? Doing great. We got a bunch of stories coming up, so we're going to dive right in. In addition to uh, the pastor getting released and his story from prison, J.K. Rowling getting death threats. Uh, billionaire Jeff Bezos, the latest uh, billionaire to enter the space race, uh, and a Democratic lawmaker in New Mexico has been denied communion over his pro-abortion vote. We're going to have uh, these stories and more coming up, but we'll dive right in. Uh, to story number one. And this is Pastor Tim Stevens, the Canadian pastor who was jailed after a police helicopter was discovered um, where he was holding his church's outdoor worship services. Uh, He's speaking out about how his incarceration allowed him to minister uh, to inmates. Stevens is pastor of the Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, Alberta, He was arrested when law enforcement officers showed up at his home as his children looked on crying. And there's video of that right there. You can see uh, if you're watching on uh, Facebook uh, or YouTube. Uh, The Fairview Baptist Church pastor uh, told Rebel News that uh, the other inmates, for the most part, um, had treated him with respect, even though he said it was a very dehumanizing experience. He said, basically, you're put into a small cage and you're left there, not really knowing Uh, what the next uh, coming hours or days or weeks may bring. Uh, He added that uh, as far as the other inmates, he said, when they understood why I was there, they didn't think it was right for me to be there. They'd call me pastor. They'd open up about their own problems. uh, They'd want counsel. They'd want advice. Uh, Even inmates who were hardened atheists came to appreciate where I was coming from. And we developed a good friendship among those other inmates there in jail. Uh, Here he is speaking to Rebel News about some of the interactions with the inmates he had uh, during his time uh, behind bars. Because you have a short time out of your cell, um, but I was able to go back to my cell and with pen and paper write letters to these other inmates Mm. and then pass them off at mealtimes and such. And they could read those and pour over those and then then write back to me or communicate back to me. So I was really able to to minister to these men uh, who who didn't have a, a good awareness of the Christian faith really try to help guys, uh, so many uh, struggling with addictions. Um, I had one, one individual that was in there who, who smoked his first joint when he was four years old and has, has, just grow up, has grown up in a life of, of addictions and crime. And so to be able to try to minister to him and try to help him uh, to make changes in his life uh, to the glory of God. And there's another individual that was there from another, another church in town and he had gotten into trouble and I was able to get to know him a little bit, uh, write letters to him and encourage him. And over and over, he kept uh, saying what a blessing that was and, and what, what a godsend that was to have me in there at, at that time when he needed pastoral counsel mm-hmm. and help. And I heard that from, from his family and, and his pastor on the outside, uh, that it's so good that I was there at that moment to minister to that young man and, and hopefully see, it, see a change in his life for the better. 
Yeah, so great words from the pastor there to hear that he was, uh, while he was in there, he obviously focused on ministry during that time, which is remarkable because uh, he, as he said, the conditions were just terrible in there because of, I mean, prison's bad enough, but then because of COVID uh, and different precautions that they were taking there in the prison made it even worse. So uh, as for church going forward, Pastor Stevens said that there is, uh, there's a reason his congregation will continue to hold worship services. He said, we continue to go to church because it is not a matter of us trying to calculate based upon the consequences of our actions, whether we should or do it or should not. He said, our convictions are settled by the word of God and by our accountability to the Lord Jesus Christ. So out of obedience for Christ, we will continue to gather uh, and I continue to lead the church in gathering. So uh, this, this one isn't so much a, a, a left-right uh, issue, uh, Trey, um, but um, when you look at reaction to these churches that had remained open, uh, it's been mixed along party lines, as we've seen. Uh, it's been very partisan, and some view it as dangerous and reckless yeah. that they're that they're meeting and continuing to meet. Um, and others others viewed it as wrong, even in Canada, that their right to worship was taken away, even outdoors. I mean, they sent helicopters around to monitor these outdoor services, which is just crazy. Um, but and that's all happening, even as uh, the cases in Canada continue to plummet. I mean, it's only a couple hundred cases a day uh, that are happening right now. So. So pray for the Christians in Canada. They, they, they went through a lot of persecution here uh, in the COVID era. Uh, we saw lots of other pastors you know, with issues like this. But great to see this pastor uh, witnessing to people when he was in prison. Yeah, it's bizarre to see that these pastors were essentially like tracked and hunted down as if they were these <laughs> criminals doing right. these like egregious things that you know, they needed to be found and brought to justice immediately and like yeah, you see that armored car pull up in your neighborhood and you think something awful has happened and then you find out oh he's just a pastor who's been you know <laughs> leading sunday morning worship services uh, once a week and it's just it's kind of removed from from reality like it doesn't really make uh, any sense, but it is cool as a believer. I think the, the 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 good aspect of this story is to see the way Stevens is able to minister to people in prison. We saw the same with Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church in Edmonton. Uh, he talked about how he was able to minister to a lot of people and even started a Bible study around the you know the the, the mess hall, like the lunch area where they would eat. Uh, they started having Bible studies there, and he was able to to lead a few people in that. And I, I don't know if anybody ultimately came to Christ in his month or so there, but he said, you know, opened doors and they were able to, uh, he was able to answer questions. So maybe it says sparked some curiosity in some of these inmates and maybe gives them the opportunity to turn their lives around. So that certainly is a silver lining as a believer. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely inspired by his actions there uh, uh, in prison. So uh, we'll continue to pray for uh, their congregation going forward and and for all those that he touched there while, uh, while, he, was, uh, while he was behind bars. So good stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, story number two. Uh, so renowned Harry Potter novelist J.K. Rowling, uh, she fired back Sunday after facing yet another death threat, uh, this time from a transgender activist who wished the author would, quote, receive a pipe bomb in her mailbox. Now, to Rowling's credit, she had kind of a quippy comeback and didn't seem to, to take it too seriously. She said, to be fair, when you can't get a woman sacked, arrested, or dropped by her publisher and canceling her only made her book sales go up, there's really only one place to go. 
Uh, so Rowling went on to write that hundreds of trans activists have threatened to beat, rape, assassinate, and bomb me. And she even facetiously added she's realized that this movement poses no risk to women whatsoever. Obviously, she's being sarcastic uh, about the way that a lot of these trans activists uh, have targeted her and other, uh, other biological women who have advocated for their fellow biological women. Uh, so the initial pipe bomb threat came after the author snapped back at another critic who claimed she ignored pornography tweeted to children by leftist activists who were seeking to get revenge against her and were targeting fans, young fans of her other books, her other Harry Potter books. She said, I reported every bit of porn so-called trans activists and allies tweeted into Twitter threads where children were sending me artwork for the novel, The Ichabog. I didn't respond or retweet it because I didn't want more kids to see it. Uh, she then went on to say that she doesn't really understand how using pornography and threats of violence against women they dislike does anything to help transgender people or anyone for that matter. So what's the left saying? Well, many social media users on the far left uh, have been kind of these anonymous Twitter trolls uh, have been leading the charge against Rowling because she's urged that, that you know, the she's argued that the push to embrace the transgender agenda leaves biological women uh, in dangerous and even precarious situations. Uh, she's been lambasted as a transphobe by some for saying that, you know, fully embracing the left's transgender ideology actually ends up doing more harm to women than good. It, she said it erases the female experience. Uh, others like Abigail Schreier, I know Dan and I have talked about her more on the podcast. She said similar things as well. Uh, so what's the right saying? Well, conservatives and even some traditional liberals have come to Rowling's defense. Uh, one Scottish politis- politician said she's proud to stand with Rowling, uh, even though they're, they're not politically aligned on many other issues. They are on this. Uh, she said she's proud to stand with Rowling because she's defending the women rights. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, all Rowling said that sparked such hateful and violent backlash, Dan, is that sex is unchangeable. She hasn't even condemned anyone for identifying uh, as the opposite sex. She even noted that she has no problem with people claiming to be transgender and identifying you know, however they want to. She just pointed out the scientific fact that sex is unchangeable and to act as if it is and to treat biological men as if they're authentic women uh, does harm to biological women. So I just happen to think, it, it, you know, if Rowling is chased out for just that, uh, we've we've really gotten ourselves into quite a quite a pickle here. I just I like wonder where the adults are in this conversation because we need to be able to have these discussions and debates uh, and not jump to say, well, this person is is some sort of phobe or you know hateful and bigoted or whatever. Uh, particularly if they're saying something like Rowling is, it's just factual you know as christians too we have to add the theology there you know we know what what god designed sex to be so it's just disheartening to see that she just is kind of dismissed as this hateful evil person simply for acknowledging something that's like you know scientific and biological fact yeah absolutely and i think she's definitely onto something there with the uh with the with the commentary and the and the observation that when you can't cancel someone, when you can't get them removed from their job, you know, as a publisher, and you can't get them removed from social media, what's left? What is left other than threats yeah. of violence? And so I think, um, you know, she's pointing that out, but it's so true. I mean, I, I think people that have no hope is particularly in a, in a, a, you know, secular atheist sort of worldview where you don't have any hope in a higher power. You don't believe there's any ultimate justice 
you can yeah. be driven to acts of crazy, I think, fairly easily because you lose hope. You're like, well, wait a minute. No, nobody's going to do anything. We can't get her canceled. We can't do this. Uh, and then you have somebody, you know, making a comment like that. And um, it, it's really sad to see. But but logically, I think she's spot on that. What do you have left when you can't get somebody canceled? And that's right. something that you're just gung ho on this issue. Um it's yeah. sad but true that you're going to see people resort to threats and uh, you know of violence. And when we've made we've made it the case that that words are a form of violence, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like when we've when when words have been escalated to the point where having a difference of opinion is is an assault on somebody, then it kind of stands to reason. Oh well, okay. Then then uh, you know forms of actual physical violence and malice are maybe called for because they, you know she's committed such an egregious act of violence against me because of her having that opinion. Well, then I guess it's appropriate for me also to to respond, perhaps even violently. Obviously, this is just words, uh, but words have consequences, and and it's you know it's scary when we're in this place and there are saying these kind of things. And I have to say, uh, to Rowling's credit. I've been pleasantly surprised at how committed she's remained uh, to her position despite the the backlash she's faced yeah. because it's been about a year, year and a half solid of just people on social media pummeling her and she's she stood her ground to her credit. Yeah, yeah very much so in an age of cancel culture. She, she is not backing down and good for her on that. So, uh, And she said she appreciated yeah. all the people reaching out, by the way. So um, for yeah, everyone for sure. who's done that, that's I mean, that certainly helps as well. So, all right, let's uh, let's head on over to uh, story number three here. And uh, we've got Jeff Bezos is the latest billionaire to enter the space race. This time uh, he's slightly outdone Richard Branson, who also flew kind of close to the edge of space there. Bezos took to took to the skies in his blue origin and flew 13 miles past Branson's, making it just towards the edge of space there. Um, both both made it to uh, zero zero G's, uh, high enough up altitude wise for that. But Bezos said that uh, Blue Origin's first crewed space flight represented one step toward the company's mission of expanding to a point where people live and work in space. Uh, he said, "What we're really trying to do is build a reusable reusable space vehicles. It's the only way to build a road to space." And we need to build a road to space so that our children can build the future. Interesting comments there from, from Bezos. So uh, he said, if you want to be a space entrepreneur, entrepreneur today, you have to do everything from the beginning. There's no infrastructure that's affordable. So what we have to do is build that kind of infrastructure and future generations will build on top of it. Uh, he said the suborbital, uh, I can't talk, the suborbital tourism mission lets us practice. He said, we need to do that over and over and get as good at running space vehicles as we are uh, as a civilian at running commercial airliners. So uh, technically, Bezos only went as high as like the edge of space, the so-called uh, Karman line set by uh, International uh, Aeronautics Body as a, the defining boundary between Earth's atmosphere and space. I mean, it was still quite an accomplishment at 62 miles uh, altitude. Um, and yeah. you know, and Branson's accomplishment as well, going to going to uh, 49 miles. I mean, a ridiculous accomplishment. It's pretty pretty amazing, uh, regardless. So, uh, but but why does it matter here, Trey? Um, well, I mean, there's been a mixed reaction uh, on these flights. Uh, some are in awe of this accomplishment. They think it's going to lead to 
to more things. You hear Bezos there talking about how we've got to get into, you know, into into space and that that's how we build our future, which I would love to hear more details on his thoughts on that as to why exactly the space living in space has to be our future. Um, so, but others, others weren't reacting with such awe. A couple of comments here. One said most expensive midlife crisis ever. Uh, another person said when Amazon workers can have bathroom breaks, then I'll be impressed. Um, others pointed out that in 1961, you know, of course, Yuri Gagarin was uh, Gagarin was the first uh, man in space, and his spacecraft, you know, made a full orbit. 1962, John Glenn, the third American into space, and the first orbit. I mean, so obviously that's back in the 60s. Um, others pointed out that the utility of space is a delusion supported by scientists and the space industrial complex, both of whom have a stake in our believing that spending money time and effort on space is useful. So, I mean, I guess time will tell the answer to that question. But uh, for now, um, I think it's, you know, it's really cool to look at the accomplishment. Um, You know that there's always going to be critics whenever there's something this big. But uh, I guess time will tell if it's just an expensive uh, luxury thing for billionaires or if it's actually going to impact the future in a big way. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we have a story on faithwire.com right now, but a really cool faith angle in this story is about Wally Funk. She was the aviator who joined them uh, on the, she was one of the four who was on this, uh, on this mm-hmm. flight. Um, she's 82 years old. Um, and at 10 a.m. today or by 10 a.m. today, she became the oldest person ever. Uh, to rocket to the edge of uh, edge of space. So in her story is back in the 60s, she was part of a, a group of 13 women uh, who were privately funded. They were supposed to go to space, and then it, it never actually happened, despite mm. the fact that she finished at the top of her class, was completely trained to do it. Uh, it never happened because, uh, because of their sex. These women were just deemed that they couldn't go out into outer space. Uh, she went on to become this world class aviator she didn't taught more than 3,000 people how to fly uh, and never quite gave up on it and then uh, today she was able to do it and her congregation in Texas uh, they gathered there uh, to watch uh, to watch it happen you go on faithwire.com and watch the video you could hear the church all like there's an uproarious like, account down there counting mm-hmm. you know the seconds and then applauding her and it was, it was really neat and the this director of the seniors ministry uh, she said that it was a it was proof that god sees her and sees her dreams uh, she said that she was quote ugly crying when she found out <laughs> that uh, that wally funk was going to be able to get to go into space so it's just a really a really cool story and a, a full circle story for somebody who uh, has been wanting to go into space since she was 23 years old and finally got to do it, uh, even yeah. if it was just to the edge of space uh, <laughs> at 82. I know. I mean, I feel like we're nitpicking. We're, oh, just to the edge of space. Like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess we could have done better. <laughs> <laughs> so so she she certainly has made it much farther than I've gone and probably will ever go. Yeah, so, uh, indeed. <laughs> kudos to the four of them who've, who've gone to the edge of space. I yes. still count that as space. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> story number four. Uh, so a Democratic state senator from New Mexico uh, said he was blocked from having communion at his church over the weekend uh, because of his recent vote on a pro-abortion bill, pro-abortion legislation. Uh, so state senator Vantas tweeted Saturday that he was denied communion during mass last Friday evening, quote, based on my political office. My new parish priest indicated he will do the same after the last runoff. Uh, the state senator added, please pray for church authorities as Catholicism transitions under Pope Francis. So Christopher Velasquez, a spokesperson for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Las Cruces, he told the Catholic News Agency that the church reached out to the, the lawmaker to tell him about the decision regarding his pro-abortion vote, uh, but the state senator never responded. Uh, the church made clear it is not because uh, Cervantes is a Democrat, uh, but because he's voted in favor of expanding abortion. And that was the issue uh, that led to him being blocked from, from participating in communion. So what's the left saying? Well, many on the left have voiced opposition to churches, Catholic churches, uh, denying communion to pro-abortion lawmakers, uh, particularly as it's been uh, an issue off and on with President Biden, who identifies as Catholic. And while the church believe Biden should not receive communion, others do. Uh, the Vatican has issued a warning to bishops in the United States, uh, urging them against politicizing communion too much and turning it into a, quote, source of discord rather than a symbol of unity among Catholics. So what's the right saying? Well, some have been really supportive of the push to deny communion to those who vote in favor of expanding abortion. Megan McCain, uh, the outgoing conservative co-host on The View, uh, she strongly condemned Biden for his support of abortion despite claiming to be a devout Catholic. Uh, she said Biden is, quote, going to have to ultimately talk to his creator, adding that the president is doing spiritual harm, grave spiritual harm, both to himself and to the country. So why does it matter? Well, Dan, well, I understand the, the warning is against politicizing something so intimate as communion. Like I, I get where the, the Vatican is coming from, but I also know that we shouldn't take abortion lightly. It's ending an innocent life. So if it's as serious an issue as we believe it is as Christians, shouldn't it come with some serious consequences? And I think that's why a lot of bishops here in the United States and priests and you know just lay people in the church are so conflicted on it because they think if, if it really is murder, which that's what Megan McCain even called it, if it really is murder, then shouldn't there be some serious consequences? And you know, denying communion uh, is, is a serious sacrament for all Christians, but certainly for the Catholic Church. Um, so, you know, there seems to be reason for, for denying people like, like this lawmaker and even Biden communion if we see it as such a, a serious sin. Yeah, and I think there's this disconnect because a, a lot of people that find themselves in that Joe Biden area of where they believe politically um, oftentimes will say, well, I'm, I'm personally not in, in favor right. of it, but, you know, I support someone's right to make that choice. But you're I, to me, that's just sort of a kind of a way to try to get yourself out of that pickle, you know, where you, you, you're not really, by, by basically saying you're de facto supporting it is what you're doing there because yeah. you're, you're okay. You're, you're giving tacit approval there for somebody to do something, even though you say like, well, that's not the choice that I would make. <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, go ahead. And especially if you're president of the United <laughs> States, I mean, that's, or, you know, a lawmaker who is influencing laws, it, it seems like, um, your particular viewpoint on that issue has uh, comes along with certain consequences that you may not um, be in there seeking to change things when you potentially could. 
so I, I do think that view kind of falls short. Uh, it doesn't pass the logic test uh, in my view. Yeah, and that's kind of what Megan McCain said too. Is is about the how can it doesn't really make sense to say well yeah. I'm personally opposed to it, but I support expanding access to it because she said it's <laughs> it's like somebody is saying well I'm okay I'm not going to ever murder somebody, but I'm okay if you want to do a little bit of it on the side. <laughs> right. You know who am I to I'll, judge? I'll who pat you on you the back. All <laughs> <No>, right. <laughs> <laughs> so she's saying it doesn't that really doesn't make any sort of logical sense whatsoever ever you're either either for it or you're against it you can't be personally against it but for it for somebody else because like you said dan that ends up being you're just you're de facto for it all around yeah uh, so either own it or disown it you know one one of the two don't try to have it both ways because that's not really that's not really a logical position indeed all right that is uh that's all the time we have for today as always uh Make sure for more news from a distinctly Christian perspective, head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com uh, for a daily visit. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the 4 and 3 podcast. Uh, go ahead and leave a rating over there. Um, and uh, we appreciate that for sure. Um, all right. We will be back here tomorrow with more news uh, from a Christian perspective. God bless. We will see you then. <laughs>